0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Well, it's Easter Sunday, so I think it's only appropriate that we start off this morning by celebrating that Jesus is alive. Would you help me celebrate? Give a big shout. Thank you, Jesus. Very good, very good. We're so glad to have you with us. If this is your first time at New Song, uh, we consider you a guest today. We're glad that you're here. We hope that you feel right at home and enjoy uh, our church, feel like this is a family, a place we'd love for you to be a part of. If you're looking for a church, we'd love for New Song Church to be your church home, so please uh, don't let this be your last Sunday with us. As you saw in that video, um, we we got a new series we're kicking off next weekend called The Rest of the Story. And just so you know, kind of our heart at New Song Church is we want to help people come to know God. And in fact, that's what we say, help people know God. We want people to experience what it means to actually walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not to learn about religion, not to learn about God, but to actually come to know God and live in such a way that you have a a relationship with Him where you're walking hand in hand with Him in your everyday life. And it's hard to do that when you don't know a part of of God called the Holy Spirit. It's the part of, of God that that Jesus said he was going to send whenever he was leaving. He said, I'm going to send you a helper. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to come and be a part of your life and speak to you and direct you and give you wisdom and give you counsel and help you to understand the word of God in a greater way. Now, I know there's a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. And so I promise you this, if you come to this series, here's what I can promise you. It's not going to get weird. Okay. We're not weird people. Uh, The stuff that you've probably seen related to the Holy Spirit that seems weird, it's because people can be weird, okay? The Holy Spirit's not weird. He's a gentleman, and he wants to be a part of your life. And so in this series, we're going to talk about how to partner with the Holy Spirit and kind of pick up where Jesus left off in in understanding this relationship. It's going to be really really good, so make sure you are back with us next Sunday hanging out and spending some time with us, all right? You guys are looking good this morning, got your Easter duds on, looking all fancy and nice. Uh, If you haven't been here since last year, welcome back, glad to have you, we're glad that you're here, and uh, we're going to have a great Sunday today and uh, have a lot of fun with the Easter egg hunt afterwards. Uh, If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it in with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and also Luke chapter 24. We're going to spend the majority of our time in, in Luke chapter 24, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you're wondering what our contingency plan is for if it's raining, uh, the, the plan is we're going to get wet if that's the case, okay? We live in Oklahoma, let's just do this thing, all right? Your, your Easter hair will survive another day, okay? So it's Easter, and we're, and we're celebrating today the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is a big deal, and, and it's, a, it's a huge deal. Because what separates our God from a lot of other gods that are out there is the fact that our God is alive. He's not dead. He continues to live. And and this is a big deal. In fact, the Bible says it this way. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, Paul wrote this. He said in verse 3, he said, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Everybody say first first importance. So that means it's a big deal. This is first importance. Here's what it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now we're going to jump down 10 verses to verse 14. Paul goes on to say this. He said, and if Christ has not been raised. Look at this. Our preaching is useless. (laughs) And so is our faith. If there's no resurrection, then here's what happens. It ended on Friday when Jesus died. And it ended and, and there's no hope in that. But because Jesus didn't stay dead, because three days later on a Sunday, he was raised to new life, we can find hope in that. Now, the problem is we live in a world where there's, it's a very hopeless world. In fact, I read this this week about this psychologist. His name was William Marston, and he asked 3,000 people this question. He said, what are you living for? 94% of people said this. They said they were merely enduring their lives. 94% of 3,000 people are basically just trying to get by, just trying to endure to the end until they die. That's their purpose in life. And I hope that's that's not your purpose today. I hope that, I hope that you have hope in something greater than just kind of getting through the day or just hopefully surviving as long as possible and then dying. I hope there's something greater that you're setting your hope in. Because here's the problem. If we have no hope, our life can get pretty bleak looking. And we can start to, to get a little cynical with our life. And the longer we go without hope, the worse the outlook of our life gets. Women, you can kind of attest to this with me. I, I found this thing this week I thought it was really interesting. It was a, 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 this, this report of what women were looking for in a man and how that changed as the years went by. Okay, so starting at age 22, what I want in a man, age 22, here we go. Handsome, charming, financially secure, successful, caring, a good listener, Witty, in good shape, dresses with style, appreciates the finer things, full of thoughtful surprises. I'm ticking a lot of these boxes, guys. <laughs> now, we, we skip ahead ten years. What I wanted a man age thirty two. Look how it, it kinda changes. It's subtle, but it changes. Nice looking, opens car doors, has enough money for a nice dinner at a restaurant, listens more than he talks, laughs at jokes at the appropriate times, that's important. Appropriate times. Can carry in the groceries, whether he's in shape or not. Remembers birthdays and anniversaries. Still haven't found my man, age 42. Here's what women are looking for, age 42. Not too ugly, hair optional. Doesn't drive off until I'm in the car. Works steady, splurges on McDonald's sometimes. Nods his head at appropriate times when I'm talking. Men, you ever been there before? Yes, in good enough shape to rearrange the furniture. Usually wears a shirt that covers his stomach. Usually, right? Puts the toilet seat lid down. Fast forward 10 more years. Age 52, what I'm looking for in a man. Keeps his nose and, air, and ear hair trimmed to the appropriate length. This is important, guys. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to get one, Okay. Doesn't belch or scratch in public. Doesn't borrow money too often. Doesn't nod off to sleep while I'm talking. Doesn't retell the same jokes too many times. Is in good enough shape to get off the couch on the weekends. Usually wears matching socks and fresh underwear. Age 62. Here's where it gets real interesting. Doesn't scare small children. (laughs) Remembers where the bathroom is. Doesn't sound like he's snoring when he's just breathing. Doesn't forget why he's laughing. That's awesome usually remembers the punchline to jokes he's telling, is in good enough shape to stand up all by himself, usually remembers to wear some clothes, and remembers where he left his teeth. All right, 10 more years ahead into the future, age 72. What I'm looking for a man, here you go, breathing. Just life. If he's alive, I'm in. Let's do this thing. 72, here we go. But but you see what happens in life. The longer we go without hope, uh, the more bleak the outlook of our life gets, the more we, sit, we tend to settle for things, the more we settle into ruts that are bad, it, it's, it's not a good thing. And what I love about this story that we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 24 is it's about these two guys that at one point had hope. These were two guys that were, that were people who followed Jesus. They had heard him teach, they had heard him minister, they had seen him do miracles, they had been there uh, they were there when he had the triumphant entry and into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and people were singing his name and calling him the king, but they also saw him uh, be betrayed, and they saw him be taken away and beaten and scourged and crucified to a cross, and they saw him die on the cross. And so these guys are living there. They're living in Friday. Even though it's actually Sunday. In this story, Jesus has actually already been risen from the dead. He's alive. And yet they're living like he's, he's still dead. All right, look at this with me. First, uh, sorry, Luke 24, verse 13 says this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So they're talking about the things that had been transpiring over the last several days with, with Jesus dying on the cross and that whole process. They're talking about this with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Okay, So Jesus has, has been risen from the dead. He's alive. And, and they know this guy. They've, they've seen him. they followed him. And now he shows up and he's walking with them and begins to talk with them. But notice this, verse 16. But they were kept from recognizing him. We, we don't know why they didn't recognize him. We're not exactly sure what happened there. But for some reason, they were not able to recognize him as being Jesus. Verse 17. He asked them, Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They didn't answer him. Look at look what they did. They said they stood still, their faces downcast. These guys are living in Friday. Jesus is dead to them. And they are without hope. Without hope to the point that, that when he comes to them, a stranger comes to them, that they're, they're actually rude to him. And this was not common for, for Jewish culture. Look at, look at what it says in verse 18. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? In other words, here's what he says. What's your problem, dude? Have you been, have you been in a cave or something? Wait for it. You guys get it? He was in a tomb, yeah. You know? There we go, a few more, there we go. A few weeks ago, me and my wife, we were in, uh, we were in New York, and we've never been to New York before, but we went to New York to visit and kind of do the, uh, the touristy stuff, go to the Empire State Building, all that stuff. And we discovered something about New York. Um, we're, we're pretty friendly people. In fact, we, we pride ourselves as a church and being one of the friendliest churches in the city. In fact, that's what we're striving for, to be the friendliest church in this city. The friendliest church in America is our, is our desire, okay? So we're friendly. And so we, we're walking through the cities of New York, and we just can't help it. We see somebody, and we smile at them. Well, New Yorkers don't know what to do with that. They would look at us like something was wrong with us. Like, what are you doing with your face? Stop it. Right? And, and so we, we changed. It changed us. By the time we left, we were like them. We're kind of walking around, you know, because it's... And that's, that's New York. That's kind of what people know about New York. It's not the most friendly city in America. But, th- but this story doesn't take place in New York. Th- this takes place uh, near Jerusalem, In a a culture where Hebrew people were very friendly, were very accommodating to strangers. But these guys are not. Why? Because they have no hope. And so Jesus kind of plays along with this. In fact, Jesus kind of plays dumb a little bit here. Verse 19, he says, What things, he asked, like he doesn't know about the crucifixion. (laughs) He just lived it out. I think he knows. They said, About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Now look at this next verse, verse 21. But we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They had hope. At one point they had hope. You know, hope is this, by definition, hope is a confident expectation of something that is to come. But had puts it in the past tense, See, at one point in their life, they had hope. When they saw Jesus, they heard him preaching these messages, and he was was teaching stuff like no one had ever taught before. They had hope then. When he was performing miracles, raising people from the dead, making the blind people see, they had hope then. When he rode into town on a donkey, and everyone was singing his name and declaring that he was the king of, of the Jews, they had hope then. But then Friday happened. And Fridays happen to all of us. And when I'm saying Friday, I'm not talking about, like, you know, TJIF. Like, I'm not talking about just a Friday happens. I'm talking about the idea of Friday here. And here's what my definition of a Friday is, according to this message. This is it. Friday is what happens when our dreams are stuck in past tense. I, I had hoped that I was going to get that job. I had hoped that, that our marriage was going to work out. I had hoped that, that money was, was going to come in. We, we had hoped that this was going to be the year that we had a baby. I had hope, but then Friday happened. And Fridays happen to all of us. And when these Fridays come, what what is dangerous is sometimes Fridays cause us to lay down our hope and to lose hope. So, So Jesus points them back to hope. Look at this with me. Verse 25, Jesus goes on to start teaching them. He says, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What Jesus is doing here is he's pointing them back to the bigger story. The story of God. He's pointing them back to reminding them, hey, the Messiah was prophesied. That the Messiah was going to have to suffer. He was going to have to die. Don't you remember that? It goes on to say, verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Okay, so Jesus is talking to these guys, and he's saying, well, let me tell you about this Jesus guy. You remember the story? Remember what was prophesied? And he starts to tell them the bigger story. And here's what you need to understand. Sometimes we get caught up in our circumstances, and we take our eyes off the bigger picture. But what we need to do when we're, when we're stuck in the middle of our circumstances when we feel hopeless is we need to fix our eyes on the story of God. We need to fix our eyes on the plan of God for our lives. We need to fix our eyes on the word of God and what he wants to do in our life. And in that we find hope. In that we find faith. That's where we need to fix our eyes is on what God wants to do. And let me tell you what the story of God is for you, okay? Here's the story of God in a nutshell. God loves you. I don't care what you've done today. I don't know what your story looks like as you walked into this building today, but I know this. God loves you. And he wants to be the father in your life. He doesn't want to be a distant God. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be your father. He wants to walk with you. And so in order, so he could do that, he he wanted to fix this sin problem that we created and he sent his son. He bent over backwards to make it possible so we could step into the resurrection life that comes with knowing Jesus. Jesus died on a cross. He suffered. He took sin of all the world onto his body so that we could lay our sins on him, receive new life in him, and be resurrected to new life with him. Can I get an amen? amen. That's what Jesus came to do. That's the story we can step into. No matter what we're facing, no matter what our circumstances may look like, we know a risen savior is there for us. A father is for us and wants to walk with us in our life. Now look at how this begins to change these guys when they start to fix their eyes on the story of God. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. So it's like Jesus, they, they reached the village they were going and Jesus kind of was like he was going to keep going, but they, they, they didn't want him to go. They wanted him to stay with them. Verse 29, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus, it says he he did this, so he went to stay with them. See, once they started getting a revelation of God and the story of God, they wanted Jesus to stay with him. So what did they do? They invited him in. And I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't stay with them until they invited him. And that's the way it works. See, God's not going to come into your life until you invite him in. Maybe you find yourself sometimes in a situation where you're going, where's God at? Why isn't God stepping in? Have you invited him in? Have you invited him into the story of your life? Have you invited him in to be a part of what's going on in your life? Because if you don't, he's not going to butt in. He's not going to barge in. He's a gentleman. He doesn't do that. In fact, look at this picture with me. This is a famous painting. Uh, it's based on this verse in 3 3.20. It says this, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. This is Jesus talking. He says, if you invite me in, I'm going to come in. Now go back to the painting. I want you to notice something about the painting. Notice that there's no door knob or latch on the outside of the door. And the painter painted the door that way on purpose because he wanted to illustrate an idea that we need to understand. If we don't open the door, Jesus can't come in. We have to invite him in. He doesn't go where he's not invited. But here's the problem. We hear that and we go, yeah, but man, I don't know if I can invite Jesus into into this heart. Like, there's some stuff... I'll tell you what, I, I like that idea, but i got to get some stuff right first. got to clean this mess up a little bit. i got some relationships I need to take care of. I've got some addictions I need to probably get rid of. I've got some sins I need to fix. i gotta, I got to do this stuff before I can invite Jesus in. But, but here's the problem with that. It doesn't work that way. See, you need to understand something. Apart from Jesus, your life is going to be messy. It just is. And, and the only person who can actually fix the mess is the person that sometimes we leave outside the door. If we want to get those messes cleaned up, we got to invite him in. See, you can't get your act together and then invite Jesus in. You need to invite him in so he can help partner with you so you can get your act together. That's what Jesus wants to do. So these guys invite Jesus in, and then it says this in verse 30. When when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and, and he disappeared from their sight. So I want you to notice something. Once they brought him in, once they invited him in, they got a greater revelation of who he was. But they didn't get that revelation until they invited him in. And for some of you, you you're not, it's not quite clicking with you yet. You, you're interested and you see a lot of things. You like this idea, but you, you just don't feel like you've connected yet. Well, let me encourage you, just invite Jesus in. And when you invite him in, you'll, you'll receive a greater revelation of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. You'll see him in a greater way, and it will change everything. Everything. Look at what it changes with these guys. It goes on to say this in verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. So, so they immediately, they just got into their, their hometown. They immediately got there, and they immediately turn around and run the seven miles back to Jerusalem so they can tell the other disciples. It says this, there they found the eleven And those with them assembled together and sang. So they started telling these guys, it is true, the Lord has risen. Notice the difference in these guys' lives. Before they're downcast, before they they hardly can talk to a stranger, before they're without hope. But after they have an encounter with Jesus, after they have an encounter with the resurrected Savior, it changes everything. Now they're full of hope, they're full of energy, and they want to share this good news with other people. And maybe you're here today and you see this church and you see all these people that we have here that are serving. And you see us doing this egg drop with, you know, two services today. And yesterday we did a thing called Love Your Neighbor and we, we served the community. We had over 60 volunteers here serving the community, giving haircuts and lunches and helping people and just serving people. And you see all this and you're like, what, what's with these people? Why do they do this? Here's why. We've experienced the resurrection We've experienced Jesus. We found hope in him and we can't help it. We want to share it with other people. We know what it's like to be lost. We know what it's like to, to be hurting. And we don't want people to experience that. So we want to share with them what we found in Jesus Christ. We want them to experience it. And that's why we do what we do. See, that's the difference that Jesus can make. They, they walked away. They walked to their village sad. They walked away with joy in their hearts because they had had an encounter with Jesus. Now, look back at verse 30. I want to point something out to you I thought was really interesting. It says, when he was at the table with them, it's talking about Jesus, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Okay, so I want you to notice something. Um, Jesus is a guest in their house, right? This isn't his house. He's a guest. And yet he's the one that's taking the bread and breaking the bread and serving it and praying over it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to somebody else's house um, to, to have a dinner, I'm not normally the one serving the food, right? I, I normally let other people do that. Now, I am a pastor, so a lot of times when I go into somebody else's house, they feel the need to, Pastor, would you like to, to pray over the dinner? And so, yeah, sure, I'll pray over the dinner, whatever, you know. But, but most of the time, I, I let other people take care of it because I'm, I'm a guest, right? But I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't do that. Because see, Jesus, even though he, he may wait for you to invite him in, Once he comes in, he doesn't want to be a guest. He doesn't want to just be a guest in your heart. He doesn't want to just be a guest in your life. He wants to be the host. Uh, Let me say it this way. He doesn't want to just be a resident in your life. He wants to be the president. He wants to to take charge. Now, you're probably like me. I'm sure you are, in fact. But I'll have people over to my house from time to time, especially if people come over to our house and they're going to say, stay the night with us. We'll welcome in our home and... You know, let them know we're, we're glad that they're there. And while you're here, we want you to feel like a guest. And, and this is our house, but this is your house. And here's the remote control, and the refrigerator's over here, and the, the bathroom's over here, and make yourself at home. My house is your house. Mikasa, Sukasa. But I don't really mean that. <laughs> and neither do you. Yeah, I, I invite them in, but there, there's parts of my house I'd rather them not get into. I want the remote control back. <laughs> there's some closets and some drawers I'd rather them not get into. There's, there's some files I'd rather them not be going through. I'm not going to be real happy if they're going through my checkbook. That's not going to, you know, please me. I, I want them to feel somewhat at home, but I want them to kind of stay in their, in their little areas, okay? And, and sometimes this is the approach we have to Jesus. We, we want, you know, to go to heaven we want to invite him in because we know what that can mean. But we, we don't really want him to be at home in our lives. We just say, you just stay over there, Jesus. You just kind of, you just be here and, and I'll, there's some stuff I don't want you to see. There's some messes I don't want you to have to deal with. It's probably just going to make you mad anyways or make you lose respect for me. So let's just, I'll just, you just stay, just stay over here and and that'll be good. But the problem is, again, it doesn't work that way. See? Jesus, here's the thing. God wants to be your father. And he is your father. He created you. The Bible says he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you better than you know you. He, he made you the way that you were made. He made you with the desires you have, with the heart that you have, with the thinking that you have. He made you. And so he knows better than anybody, including you, what's going to bring you real joy, real happiness, real peace, real fulfillment. And so surrendering, surrendering our life to him and, and saying, God, God, I want to give my life to you. It's the greatest decision we could ever make. Because we get to step into the life that he wants us to experience, which is the best life available for us. So how do we do it? It's, it's simple, and yet it it's, can be kind of hard. But it is simple, and here it is. We got to wave the white flag. we got to surrender. For, for years, thousands of years, this white flag has been the symbol of I give up, of I'm, I'm done, I can't do this, I'm defeated, I, I hand my life over to you. We surrender. That's, that's the symbol of, of the white flag. And for some of us, that's where we need to get to in our life, is to surrender our life. I heard the story uh, this week as I was studying surrender about um, World War II and about this guy named Hiro Anoda. And Hiro Onoda was a Japanese army officer in World War II, and he had been put in, in the Philippines and was a part of a, a regiment that was there in the Philippines. And somehow through the war, he got separated from the rest of his group and, uh, and didn't know that the war had ended. And so he was continuing to live a life at war. He was continuing to live like World War II was going on. Even though it had ended in, in 1945, he continued to, to live that way. And so there was actually people that would, that would come into his neck of the woods and there's documented cases of him killing people, of people dying and, and, and him running people off and people being afraid of this guy because he was like the crazy guy up on the hill, right? That didn't know that the war was over. And this picture here, this is a picture of Hiro Onoda surrendering his sword finally in 1974. The war ended in 1945. 29 years later, he surrendered his sword. For 29 years, he continued to live like a war was going on, even though the war was over. For 29 years, he, he lived a pathetic life, a miserable life. For 29 years, everybody around him was considered to be an enemy, and he felt like he was in danger. And I know there's probably some of you in here, and, and you're living that way today, the war is over. Jesus won. Jesus won the victory over 2,000 years ago. Yes, some of us are living hopeless lives. Some of us are living, looking at the world as if everything is against us and, and like it's dangerous and living in fear and living this miserable existence when, when everything we need to have the life that God has called us to is right there available for the taking. God has a better life for you. If you find yourself in a situation where you feel hopeless, where you feel lost, where you're not full of joy, then let me just tell you, you don't know God like you should. He has something better for you, and we've experienced it, and it's amazing. My wife, Sarah, um, she has some country roots in her, and I, I forgive her for that because she's really pretty, but she likes country music sometimes, like 80s late 80s early 90s country music she likes some of that stuff and, and I can't blame her she, she was raised in a home with parents who listened to country music in fact her parents met while line dancing which is pretty awesome so in her car she has a radio station that is tuned to the country music station and we rarely stop there uh, unless every once in a while she'll come across a song that she likes and you know we'll I'll allow it but uh, it's not very often but one day I was in her car and I was I was driving down the road and I was kind of flipping through the radio stations and I came on to the the country radio station and this song I heard this song and it kind of caught my attention and it's a song called uh merry-go-round by Casey Musgroves and and it's just this kind of sad song about the the broken merry-go-rounds of, of the world. And so everything kind of rhymes with Mary or has this idea of Mary. Some the lyrics say this: it says, Mama's hooked on Mary Kay, Daddy, or Brother's hooked on Mary Jane, and Daddy's hooked on Mary two doors down. Just a sad, broken, living in Friday song. It goes on to say this: it's the same hurt in every heart, it's the same trailer, different park. On this broken merry-go-round, round round and round we go. Where we stop, nobody knows. It's a broken merry-go-round we live on. Where do we stop? Nobody knows. Let me just tell you, I know. I know where it stops. It stops here. Stops with surrender. Stops by waving the white flag and saying, I'm done. I'm done trying to do this my way. My way doesn't work. I surrender my life to you, Lord. I give my life to you, Jesus. I I hand over my life to you. I I give you my sword. I'm gonna quit warring against the way that you do things and I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm gonna give you a chance to prove that you're alive and you wanna be alive in me and resurrect me to a new life. Look back at verse 30, Luke 24. I wanna show you one thing as we kind of close out. It says, when when he was at the table, this is Jesus. It says when he was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. Okay, so he's taking this bread and he's breaking it and he's giving it to these guys. And there's a there's a theory that goes along with this, and I, I like this theory that why they recognized him in that moment. And, and here's why. As he was handing them the, the, the bread, the sleeves of his of what he was wearing, began to creep up his his sleeve enough that as he handed them the bread, it exposed the scars in his wrists. And in that moment, they saw him for who he was. And they had a greater hope in him than they had ever had because this is the king who defeated death. He was, he is alive. The stories they had heard were true. He is alive. He defeated death and he was alive and it filled them with hope. And I want you to know today, he's alive. Jesus is alive, and there's hope for you. And my prayer for you today is that right now, God would reveal himself to you in such a way that you would see that the resurrected king can resurrect your life from whatever you're facing. The cross has the final word, and Jesus is alive, and he wants to be alive in you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to invite you to an idea that we present here at our church a lot. And and we we ask this at the end of our services. We say, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What, What is God, what do you feel like God may be saying to you today in this message? Maybe you've... You've known God at one time in your life, but you know that right now you're not where you need to be in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've never surrendered your life fully to Jesus, but you know today that you're you're not right with God. You know today you're not sure of what your eternity looks like. You're not sure, you're not even sure what to think about this whole thing today, but you're open to the idea of saying, Jesus, I'll invite you in. Would you reveal yourself to me in a greater way? I would love to pray with you this morning and help you with that. So if that's you today, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you just know today, you sit here today and you, you, just, you just know, I don't know that I'm right with God. You feel that in your heart. You, you kind of have that sense about you. If that's you today, I, I'm gonna count to three here in a moment. And when I get to three, I want you to just lift up your hands. Everyone's heads are down. Everyone's eyes are closed. No one's looking around. This is just between me and you and God but I would love to pray with you today and to help you to come into a relationship with Jesus that you would receive the gift of salvation that he suffered a great price to win for you. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame, but he endured it. Here's the joy that was set before Jesus. You know what it was? It was you. It was you. It was being able to know you. It was being able to walk with you, to have a relationship with you, to to be in your life. That's the joy that was set before him. That's the joy that he was willing to endure. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he suffered. That's why he took the beating and took nails in his hands and feet because he loves you. And he won this amazing gift for you. Don't leave without it today. So if you're here today and you don't know that you're right with God, when I count to three, I want you to lift up your hands, all right? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't look around. Just between you, me, and God. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Lift up your hands if that's you. Hands going up all over the room. Awesome. Hands going up everywhere. Keep them up. All right. Anybody else? Don't be ashamed. Put your hands up if that's you today. You want to know Jesus. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Get your hands up. Awesome. You can put your hands back down. Anybody else? If you didn't raise your hand, go ahead and put it up. You can slip it up and put it right back down if that's you. You want to know that you're right with God today. Don't leave this place how you came in. Don't leave with the uncertainty. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't leave not knowing. If that's you, just put your hand up. Don't say no to the greatest gift that's ever been given. If you know today you're not right with God and you don't lift your hand, that's what you're saying. I see that hand, that's awesome, thank you. I see that hand, awesome, thank you. Hands went up all over this room. So here's what we're going to do, church. We're going to pray together. And I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer with me because we are all in agreement with those who are praying. The Bible says if we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. The Bible says that if we confess that Jesus is Lord, then we can receive the life that he asked for. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to confess, Lord, that Jesus is Lord. We're going to ask him into our lives. We're going to invite him in. We're going to surrender our lives to him, wave the white flag, give up our sword, and make him the Lord of our lives. So let's pray this together. Say, Father God thank you for Jesus thank you for sending your son to die on the cross so I could be saved Jesus I'm a sinner and I need salvation I confess my sins I ask you to forgive me of my sins Jesus I confess you are Lord I believe that you died on the cross for me I believe that you rose from the grave for me, and I thank you that I am resurrected to new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's celebrate this morning. That's awesome. Come on, give Jesus a hand. I want to go ahead and invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. If you're new to New Song Church, uh, we do something maybe a little different than maybe what you've experienced before at church. It's nothing weird or anything like that, but we love to pray for people. We love to put hands on people and just and just agree with them. The Bible says that uh, when we join our faith with others, that our faith is multiplied and that the answers to prayer are increased. So we believe that. We wanna pray with you. We've got some people up here that are well-trained. They're not You're not gonna come down here and tell them anything that's gonna freak them out or make them run you off. They simply just wanna join their faith with yours and whatever it is that you're facing. Maybe you're facing a tough decision in the days ahead maybe you're facing some kind of sickness in your body maybe it's cancer maybe it's migraine headaches maybe it's a cold whatever it is I just want you to know something if it matters to you it matters to God and since it matters to God and it matters to you it matters to us so we would love to pray for you this morning and, and agree with you. And if you're one of those people that raised your hand today, here's what I'd, I'd ask you to do. Uh, that connect card that you got, make sure you check the box on it that says that I prayed and asked Jesus in my heart. I received salvation. Fill that out for us. But I also want to invite you to come down here and just let one of these guys know. And here's why. We've got something we want to put into your hands. Uh, walking out this thing with Jesus, there's some tools that you need, some free gifts that we want to put in your hands that will help you to continue to walk this faith out that you're stepping into with God. So, so make sure you come down and do that. All right. Would would everybody stand with me? We're going to, we're going to go back into a song here for just a moment. And and if you need prayer, uh, come on down and receive prayer this morning. But if not, here's what you can do. Just take this moment and just kind of praise the Lord and just kind of seal this word that God has given us this morning, that he's alive and he's alive in us. I I promise. Don't, don't leave yet. We'll, We'll get to the Easter egg hunt thing. I promise you, we'll, we'll get you all out there. But just take a moment and just thank the Lord and just celebrate him. You know, when we worship God, here's what we believe, that we touch God with our love. And here's the thing about God. Anytime we touch him, he touches us back. God's really good at tag, okay? So if you'll just reach out and just worship him and just touch him for this moment, he's gonna touch you and you're gonna leave with something better than what you came with today. So if you're here today, you need prayer, this is your time, go ahead and come down and uh, the rest of you, let's just enter into a time of worship. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the lives that have been changed this morning, the people who have received salvation this morning. God, the, the new family, the people who've stepped into the new family of God. Lord, we're grateful for that. We thank you for what you're doing in this place what you're doing in our hearts and our lives we give you all the praise glory and honor in jesus name amen thanks for listening to this week's message from new song church if you have a prayer need or would like more information about new song you can email info at new if you would like to partner with new song through giving go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give and if you want to stay connected to new song you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter by searching for new song people